We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. My weekly mixtape is going intergalactic. This is DT Carroll, the host of Space Castle, and you're listening to my weekly mixtape with Brian Colburn. It's blast-off time. That was terrible. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's blast- Just leave this in. It's blast-off time? Jesus. Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me tonight as guest curator is D.T. Carell, host of the YouTube program Space Castle. D.T., thank you so much for joining me on the show. Dude, it is my absolute genuine pleasure. You know, I love you. I've been dying to do this show since you kicked it off, so I'm super, super psyched to be here. Well, I am super, super psyched to have you on. We had a great time over on Playlist Wars, and I'm sure tonight's going to be no different. But I get to start by asking you the same question I ask all my guests. And DT, uh, what does the word mixtape mean to you? Uh, it's It means so many different things, honestly. I mean, there's the obvious choice where a mixtape is trying to convey a message using somebody else's poetry. It might be a girl you're into, or, you know, it's... Father's Day gift for your dad or something like that. And you maybe not be able to articulate those words yourself. So you use songs to do it. And it might so might also just be like a vibe you're trying to go for. Like I made tons and tons of mixtapes and CDs in high school and junior high of just like bands that I really enjoyed listening to. And I would just set it up so like I was like being my own DJ and like setting up so like the vibe would carry me through like a terrible day of school or something like that. So It's just trying to convey emotion and trying to build ebb and flow with music that you love. And tonight we are going to try to build an ebb and flow with the 2000s garage rock revival scene, which is an interesting topic in and of itself because the 2000s garage rock revival was not just garage rock music. There Mm -mm. was a mixture of different genres that kind of came together under this garage rock umbrella to the point that when I posted it out on social media, some people would say, I don't know if this song is considered garage rock. However, it has that feel. And that was the struggle tonight because I look at some of the bands on my list and I'm seeing some punk, I'm seeing some indie, I'm seeing some alternative, and then bands that are just classified as garage rock. Did you have that same issue? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, the garage rock revival of the early 2000s, a lot of people also refer to it as the post-punk revival. And it was basically a bunch of indie rock bands who were trying to recapture that sort of grungy, high-energy, like, devil-may-care attitude of garage rock of the 60s. And that carried over beyond just like hard rock bands and garage rock bands as you would traditionally know them. It was a lot of like punk rock bands, a lot of new wave bands, which I'm sure we're going to discuss tonight. I've got a couple. And uh, yeah, it was more about just that sort of attitude and sort of recapturing that spirit of what was going on with music in the 60s. And a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life and a lot of different genres jumped on board. And that's what makes that whole era of music like super fun and eclectic and really interesting to talk about. 
And what I also think is interesting about this genre is we are both based out of the U.S. However, a lot of people that chimed in chimed in from all over the world. And garage rock has different meanings when you go to different territories around the world. I've got people that tune in from Australia and the UK, and they're very curious to hear what bands we bring to the fold tonight from the American garage rock revival, because some might be bands that in Australia aren't considered garage rock, but here in the US they are. So I thought that was a real interesting angle to this. Absolutely. And garage rock wasn't just American. It was it was really big in Australia and Europe at the time, too. I got a couple of bands I'll talk about as far as like the whole European angle, because I got a, a cool little anecdote from my like adolescent days. We'll jump into that. But yeah, it wasn't just America. It was very much like the Northern Hemisphere and Australia, too. It was really cool. So what were you looking for in the songs that you brought to the table this evening? Pretty much all my favorite bands, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> uh, I am a huge, huge geek and nerd when it comes to Garage Rock Revival. Honestly, some of my favorite bands of all time, some of my favorite current favorite bands are going to be on my list, and I'm sure some of them are going to be on your list as well. So yeah, it's it's a genre I love talking about. I can talk about ad nauseum. And uh, if Gomez was here and we were doing Play With Wars, I would, I would whip the crap out of both of you with my list. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, unfortunately... You have to be reliant on what I'm bringing to the table to make this mixtape something worth listening to. So hopefully yeah. I'm up to the challenge for this one. I'll carry you if not. But no, it's uh, <laughs> it's co-op. It's not PvP this time around, which is cool. So That's yeah. the kind of the beauty of this show is the fact that instead of just bringing the 10 songs that you feel best represent that topic... We have to kind of bounce off each other and make a tape slash playlist that somebody listening would say, you know what? These songs make sense together. And that, my friend, is the challenge. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's going to be fun. We're going to we're going to collaborate and tell a story just like what a mixtape should be. It's going to be fantastic. Well, let's get down to business tonight. As we mentioned, we are talking 2000s Garage Rock Revival, and we're going to create a playlist, but we're going to use the old cassette deck approach. DT is my special guest. We'll begin side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up that choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip, and we'll map out side B, only this time I'll kick things off with DT choosing second. Our overall goal for this episode is to craft the best 2000s garage rock revival mixtape possible through only 20 songs at the end of the show you can take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com to give our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist and if you like what you're hearing on the show please consider becoming a patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash my weekly mixtape and i'd like to give a shout out to a few of the patreon mixtapers who chimed in tonight with what they feel would best kick off a 2000s garage rock revival mixtape and i'd like to shout those out now cactus pete chimed in with kings of leon's fans adding the asterisk of if that is considered garage rock revival and this is exactly (laughs) what i'm talking about Ben from the Too Vague podcast chimed in with the Hives, Walk, Idiot, Walk. Mm. And Kevin Seeker said to kick off his mix, he can't go past the White Stripes' Seven Nation Army, but he would definitely have 10 a.m. Automatic or Have Love Will Travel by the Black Keys in his mix as well. Excellent. 
Also, some of the fellow mixtapers who follow me at My Weekly Mixtape on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Spoutable have chimed in with their ideal opening track. And just to give you a small sample of those picks, we're talking about The Vines Get Free, The Strokes Hard to Explain, The Helicopters I'm in the Band, Rooney's Blue Side, The Dandy Warhols We Used to Be Friends, The Deadly Snakes I Can't Sleep at Night, D4's Get Loose, and The Black Keys, Your Touch. So DT, with that musical thought out in the atmosphere, I'm going to officially press the record button on our mixtape and pass the mic over to you. Why don't you dive into what song you're choosing to kick things off tonight? First of all, I'm going to need you to DM me the ads of all those people who chimed in because those are my people. Those are some fantastic choices. They really are. I mean, I feel like the mixtapers brought it and we have some lofty expectations tonight. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Whoever had that choice of the helicopters, that's one of my favorite bands ever. So you are in the family now. (laughs) Yeah, that is seven rock lists and he is based out of Australia. Fantastic. Right on. My first choice of the night to build this playlist for a garage rock revival is by a band called Black Rebel Motorcycle Club based out of San Francisco, California. They had this fantastic album. It was the first one I heard by them. Came out in 2007. It's called Baby 81. It's the it's the first track on the album. And it's Took Out Alone. Nice start. So you start this track up and you're immediately greeted with just this grungy, heavy, awesome guitar riff that just kicks the track off. And it just builds up into this just attitude, this, this dirty motorcycle racing, just devil may care attitude. And it carries out through the entire album. And I've got a great story because I had never heard of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club before seeing them in concert for the first time. Hmm. And they opened for Stone Temple Pilots on their reunion tour back in the early 2000s. And I'm always open to like new opening acts and whatnot. I try and get there earlier for a show and see everybody and support everybody who's up on the stage doing their thing. And these three people walk out and there's no smoke. There's just three white spotlights. They walk out. They don't even say hi to the crowd. They don't say, hey, how you doing, Phoenix? Blah, blah, blah. They just start playing. And they started off with this song, Took It Alone. It said, down, 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 down. And it was just 45 minutes of just pure, dirty, ugly, wonderful, melodic, fantastic rock and roll and i was like holy crap before stone temple pilot comes on i need to go to the lobby and grab this cd because i'm worried the cd is going to sell out because it was one of the best rock and roll shows i've ever seen i was an immediate fan and i've been a fan ever since it's almost 20 years now since i saw them live and it, it just blew me away their attitude is great it's aviator shades and leather jackets and just no nonsense no bs it's just awesome dirty rock and roll and i just adore it and I think that's the perfect place to kick off this, this Garage Rock Revival because that just sets the tone for the entire attitude of what we're going to achieve tonight. I absolutely love it. And I love the nod to Stone Temple Pilots because throughout the years, Stone Temple Pilots always seem to bring out bands from the Garage Rock Revival scene with them when they would go out on tour because another band that I know we'll be talking about tonight is one of the bands I saw with Stone Temple Pilots several years down the road from when you saw them. Nice. That's awesome. Now, getting back to Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, this is one of the most underrated bands of the 2000s because when people think garage rock, they immediately go to the White Stripes, Jack White. They're bands like this that I don't want to say they're a B-level band because they're in no way, shape, or form, but there was other bands that radio seemed to latch onto. And I don't understand why terrestrial radio 
didn't latch on to these guys because they have such a unique and attention-grabbing sound that it was very shocking that they're not bigger than they were. So I absolutely love the pick that you went to start with. And I'm going to follow that up. And I'm going to go with something that came out in 2003. So right now we are in the 20th anniversary of this album. And this band just reformed after a little bit of a hiatus. And to me, this song screams track two. Because I see you started with a vibe. And now I want to bring in something that's immediately going to keep that energy level at a 10 and set that bar. Being a bass player. I am too. Oh, yeah. Duh. So you're yeah. going to appreciate this one. You start off with the drums and then you've just got a simple doom, 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 doom. And we are <clears> heading <throat> to Australia. <laughs> well, I guess this means it's going to be no surprise to you that I'm going with Jet. Are you going to be my girl from 2003's Get Born? Hopefully, because this band just reformed to celebrate 20 years of Get Born, we're going to get new material out of them. Because Get Born is a great album. However, Shine On was a great album. And Shaka Rock is one of my favorite albums of the 2000s. It's so fantastically underrated, at least here in the U.S. I'm sure overseas it got a lot more praise than it did And what a shame, because that is such a killer track. And I want to give a shout out to KJ Draven on Twitter, who also chimed in with this one. I mean, come on, we're talking garage rock. And as far as I'm concerned, Jet helped carry that torch. Oh, absolutely. It's one of the pillars of the garage rock revival, for sure. It's such a catchy tune, that immediately bass line, the guitar riff that kicks in, the vocals are amazing. Jet was one of those bands that was... Able to like shift gears from like Beatles-esque music to like ACDC at the drop of a, of a hat, and it mm-hmm. all works too. Like just brilliant. All right, now we're throwing it back to you to what you're gonna follow that up with for track three. Okay, I'm gonna cool things down because that's a pretty hot track. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna bring it down just a little bit because the intro of the song is a, is a little bit slow, but it kicks up into high gear. It's gonna be one of those new wavy type bands we talked about the intro. It is a band that started out in New York City. They formed in 2000. They've been touring nonstop and putting out albums forever since then. They're fantastic. They're amazing live. It is from an album called It's Blitz from 2009. It's a Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs with Zero. All right. I love this track. This is another band that I sort of semi-discovered live. I took a girlfriend and her little sister back in the early 2000s to see the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs at the Marquee Theater in Tempe, Arizona. And I'd heard the tracks. I'd heard Maps and all those songs. I mean, mm-hmm. you couldn't get away from it at that point. They were another one of those pillars of the garage rock revival scene. And they were fun. Like, I dug them. Like, I, I wouldn't change the channel when they came on the radio and whatnot. But so we got through the opening acts, which are great. And then they come out and they start off with this track, Zero. And they just tear it up. And if this band does not love touring and playing live, they are the greatest actors in the world because those three people get up on stage <laughs> and it is nothing but smiles and giggles and dancing and just having a blast amongst themselves and with the crowd at the same time. Like Karen O is like strutting around and doing all her poses and like putting the entire microphone in her mouth and like winking at the crowd. And like just the drummer is, is never without a smile on his face. They're all having a blast. It's incredibly infectious. It was one of those turning points in my life where I discovered a brand new band that I loved. And I, again, I went out to the lobby and I bought the CD before the crowd could get there to the merch table. I bought the CD. We listened to it on the way home and I've been a huge, huge fan ever since. They're just a blast. And they again, it's like 
the eclecticness of the garage rock revival is the fact that a lot of people are going to say, yeah, 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 that's not garage rock. Totally is. Talking about putting on your leather and shaking it like a ladder to the sun. Like they're totally garage rock revival, but they were another one of those brilliant bands that was able to meld and merge multiple genres into something unique and wonderful and enduring. I love the way you summed it up. I could not have put it any better. This is one of those bands that truly carved a piece of the garage rock revival sound out mm-hmm. and melded it with other areas. And so it's almost a subset of the garage rock revival. But make no mistake, had that early 2000s garage rock not hit, the yeah, yeah, yes could have leaned fully indie and it still would have worked. But by totally. adding that garage rock sound to their mix, I think it set them apart even more than had it not been there. Yeah, I mean, they're new wavy and they're indie and whatnot, but the synth and whatnot just enhances the crunchy guitars and, you know, that, that just boundless, endless attitude that Karen O sings with and the awesome, fantastic, like polyrhythmic drums that they've got going on. And yeah, it was just just an awesome alchemy, an awesome chemistry. And it's awesome to see them live. If you've never seen them live, I would honestly just 100% recommend it. One of the most fun shows I've ever been to. It's just the energy was incredible. Well, I also want to tip my hat to you, sir, because you've said something twice tonight that really hits my heart. Because you said, I've seen this band open for somebody else and I immediately went and bought their album. And I was talking about this on Twitter a few weeks ago, and someone tried to call me out on this notion because I said, I love going to see opening bands. If there's 10 bands on a bill, I'm going to see all 10 because I can't tell you how many times I've bought CDs of bands I've never heard before just from seeing them live once. And somebody tried calling me out saying, well, name three times you did that. I can name a dozen right now. Exactly. Some of my closest friends over the years and some of my favorite bands, my favorite band of all time, who we won't be discussing here because they weren't part of the Garage Rock Revival, but they were an opening band for a punk rock band I went to see in Arizona. And of all like the seven or eight bands that played on that bill, that that one band just stood out to me. I immediately went to Zia Records, which is the big indie record chain in Arizona, and tracked down their album in the indie section and grabbed it and then just started following them on Facebook and internet and whatnot went to shows, became friends with them. I'm still friends with them like 20 years to this day. And there's there's still some of the best musicians that I've ever met. So man, those opening acts. And that is? They're called Redfield. And they broke nice. up many years ago. The guitar player is actually part of a, another group called Surf Through Death, which is an incredible death metal slash stoner metal band. Nice. Uh, if you're able, I would totally look them up on Spotify because they're just fantastic. But he's an amazing guitar player. Alfie Lucero, who was the singer and the bass player for that band, is, is still somebody I text with every once in a while. But man, those those opening bands are the people who are holding it down. They're supporting those big acts. They're playing like little clubs and bars like their stadiums because they're trying to get their name out. And you'll never find bands that are more passionate and just hungry than those opening acts. So support them, buy the t-shirt, buy the album, do everything you can to make sure that those opening bands don't go away because they are the lifeblood of the music industry and creativity in general. Amen. And I do want to give a shout out to, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Ute Zerdhide, who also chimed in with the yeah, yeah, yes. Only she chimed in with Bang. That's from a good them. track, too. It's another great track. Yeah. So following that up, I'm debating if I want to lean into the synth or if I want to go back 
and pivot away from the synth a little bit. But I think I'm going to stick with the synth and I'm going to go with my first curveball of the night. Because if I didn't know a thing or two about music, I would think that this next band was just a bunch of the members of Green Day playing some garage rock. When in fact, this band, Foxborough Hot Tubs, is just the members of Green Day playing garage rock. And in 2008, they put out one of my favorite albums of that year, a little disc called Stop, Drop, and Roll, which if you saw the movie Get Him to the Greek, you might know the title track from mm-hmm. that movie. But to me, I'm going to go with one that adds a little bit more synth to the sound and to me is the standout track from this fantastic garage rock offset of Green Day, and it's the song called Ruby Room. Fun fact, when Green Day is going to play a surprise show, they book it under the name Foxborough Hot Tubs. So if you ever see them playing at a small club in town, make sure you buy a ticket. That is what I am going to follow up the yeah, yeah, yeahs with. Foxborough Hot Tubs, Ruby Room. I love the track. I love the pick. I love the concept of like secret bands. That's mm-hmm. something that I absolutely loved growing up because, again, uh, growing up in Arizona, we I grew up in the golden age of, of local music in Arizona in the early 2000s. And there was a lot of bands that we would see get signed by major labels and go off and tour the world and whatnot. And, you know, they'd want to come home and play shows, but they'd be beholden to the contracts of, you know, the record label. So they would make up a bunch of like BS fake names so they could play the, the clubs and the, and the bars and whatnot they used to play when they were younger. So I love the fact that they do that. I love the fact that they still do it, which is really dope. I love the energy of it. Green Day is always a blast. You can't go wrong with the pick. And I love the fact that we're kind of bending the rules a little bit because there's going to be some more rule bending coming. But I, I love it. I think it's a fantastic pick. Yeah, and, uh, and Green Day is no secret to the hidden persona because they also have the network, which is another version of Green Day. And to me, when everybody complained about the father of all MFers Green Day album, <laughs> I didn't. Because I said, oh, Jesus, I know what they're doing here. And I have I have a, a conspiracy theory on it. They had one album left on their contract. Right. I think in my heart of hearts that Green Day handed a Foxborough Hot Tubs album to the label under the name Green Day. Because if you listen to Father of All MFers, after listening to Stop, Drop, and Roll, Father of All MFers makes a lot more sense than if you listen to it after American Idiot. I like that conspiracy theory a lot. <laughs> it makes right? total sense. Wow. Yeah, as man. As soon as I heard that album, I'm like, this is Foxborough Hot Tubs 2 under a Green Day banner. Absolutely. Dude, I love talking music with you so much. Like, you just, <laughs> you get it. You're the most knowledgeable and just fun people to talk about music because you've always got these conspiracy theories and these stories and you're like me, like you nerd out about it. And it's, it's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that. And now uh, I am looking to see how you're going to follow that curveball up with, because I know it's a little odd, but it is garage rock. It is literally listed on Wikipedia as Green Day's garage rock album. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with, it's going to slow things down once again, but kind of kick it up into high gear as we go along. And uh, it's a band called The Kills. Which, uh, if you're familiar with the realm of Jack White, you know that Alison Mosshart, uh, you know, joined up with him and they did the Dead Weather and whatnot. But before that, she was part of a two-piece band called The Kills. 
And they were a band that fully embodied the spirit of garage rock revival, but it was very, very minimalist, which I think is very key in a lot of cases to the garage rock scene. So lots of samples, a lot of like drum machine, a lot of dirty, grungy, gritty guitar, and Alison Mott's Hart's vocals, which are just freaking haunting. The album came out in 2005. It is called No Wow. It is the first track and the self-titled track on the album, No Wow. It's excellent. Alison Moss Hart is every girl I knew was bad for me, but I had a crush on anyway. <laughs> she's just got this vein of danger and excitement in her, and she's terrifying and mesmerizing at the same time to watch on stage. And I just loved what they did. I loved the anger and the vengefulness of their music. And the no holds bar, just we're gonna go for it. We're gonna we're gonna use a drum machine on this angry track with Allison Mosshart, just like ripping the shit out of her voice. I don't know if I can cuss. I apologize. Ah. While she's singing all the tracks in this, on, on every album they've ever done, and it's just a wonderful track. I think it fully embodies the spirit of garage rock. And if you listen to the track again, I'm bringing it down. I'm cooling it down, but I'm gonna kick it up in a high gear and set you up for another high. So that is my next pick. I think you and Oot Zerhide would be great friends because she also picked the kills with Fried My Little Brains. Awesome track, too. Another oh. good one. This is a great band. Another underrated... Something about the garage rock bands, besides the big names, there are a lot of underrated bands that are going to come into this mix. And I oh, think yeah. I'm going to go with one that falls under that underrated category. And I want to give a first a shout out to Jason Whistle at the It's Not That Bad cast who chimed in with this as one of his picks. And I'm going to go to 2008's album Jackson Square. I'm going to pick up the pace a bit and make it a little heavier. A song that is garage rock but bleeds into the hard rock, stoner rock vibe a little bit. And I'm okay. going to go with Arkell's Oh, The Boss Is Coming. Great track. <laughs> it's grimy. It's yep. heavy. It's aggressive, but it still holds that garage rock. I don't want to use the word simplicity because that's almost insulting, but it's a no frills, meat and potatoes. This is what you get sound. And I feel like there was a effort in the garage rock scene to kind of strip away some of the layers of production. At the beginning of the scene, at least. And then mm -hmm. oh, a lot of the indie bands kind of stuck with that, where some of the bigger names started toying with taking production elements and layering them on top of the garage rock sound, which we will talk about at some point tonight, I'm sure. But Arkell's Oh, the Boss is Coming is that stripped down, you're in a sweaty bar with hundreds of people crammed in wall to wall, and this band is just melting your face. So I'm going with Arkells. Oh, the boss is coming. I think you absolutely nailed it. I think you nailed the spirit of it. And you do get that sense from their music of, you know, being 18 years old again, being in a punk rock like club for the first time with like a barbed wire fence behind the merch table and like jumping into your first circle pit and whatnot. I, I love the pick. It's fantastic. We're doing good work here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> this is the tag team effort here. Absolutely. I'm going to not cool it down. I'm going to kick it right back up because my next pick is a, a, a borderline hard rock band, but still very much in the vein of garage rock. And they came up in like that same scene and whatnot. It is a track from an album called Leave No Ashes. It came out in 2004, I believe. It's a band called The Burning Brides. And the track is Heartful of Black. 
holy crap, this is another opening band that I discovered like at a concert. They opened for Audio Slave in like 2002. So no, the album had to have come out in like 2001, 2002, because they played all the, the tracks from that at that show. It was a three-piece band. It was a guitar player slash singer. Just an absolute smoke show of a, of a bass player who could just freaking wail and a fantastic drummer on top of that. And it was just, again, like, I didn't know what to expect with the opening bands for Audio Slave. You expect, like, Tom Morello to come out and make noises and Chris Cornell to, like, belt his lungs out and whatnot. But this band comes out and it's just immediately, like, rolling guitar riffs and bass riffs that just match the speed and intensity and just awesome, awesome, like, hard-hitting, like, drum beats at the same time. And the, the singer just starts screaming. <laughs> and it was just amazing to, to watch these three people just put it all out there. They've since broken up because the uh, the lead singer and the bass player uh, were in a relationship. They had a kid. They decided to take to you know take it back and like devote their lives to their kid and whatnot. But man, the band just rocked so freaking hard. It was again one of those bands that I saw as an opening act. Immediately bought the CD, fell in love with them, and have been following them off and on because they don't do much anymore for the last twenty years. But Heartful of Black by Burning Brides on the album Leave No Ashes. I absolutely love that pick because you're getting heavier. And when you get heavier, that hard rock side of me, it makes me smile. And that's definitely what that song does. And I want to lean into that a little bit and maybe a little too much now. Oh, there's no such thing as too much, man. Yeah, I think I'm going to go too much. However, (laughs) this is a band that when I say the name, a lot of people are going to go, wait a minute, that's not garage rock. And for the most part, they're right. However, this hard rock stoner rock band out of Australia a second time had a garage rock turn in 2005 with one song that I feel like coming out of our Kells and the Burning Brides actually makes sense. So I'm going to say the band name. I'll pause for a second so everybody could yell and get it out of their system. And then I'll say the song (laughs) and then think about it. Coming out of Arkell's The Boss Is Coming and The Burning Bride's Heart Full of Black. The band is Wolf Mother. Oh, man. The song, The Joker and the Thief. Love that song. Oh, I was a little bit worried, but also okay with if you're going to say like like a woman, because woman's a great tech too. But The Joker and the Thief is by far my favorite Wolf Mother song. I love the pick. I love that album. I love that band. This was a band that was pigeonholed for a long time as being like a knockoff of Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And people could not have been more wrong. It was similar, but they did such a different and unique thing with sort of an homage to what came before them. And I love Wolf Mother. It's one of those things where actually in the office, me and my, my desk mate listen to Wolf Mother all the time because we both just appreciate the band so much. They're a blast to listen to. That is an awesome pick. I'm sorry for interrupting. I'll let you explain why you made the pick, but just know that I am fully on board. This is an awesome choice. Thank you. Thank. Because honestly, if I said woman, I would have smacked myself because woman is the song that kind of unfortunately got them that, oh, this is a Led Zeppelin sounding band. Yeah. Long before Greta Van Fleet came along and stole that, this is a Zeppelin band thunder. I don't think any other band has ever gotten a, this is a Zeppelin sounding band more than kingdom come did in the late eighties. There has not Mm -hmm. been a, wow, this sounds like Led Zeppelin band more, but there was a while where people always tried to compare Wolf mother to Zeppelin. And I never heard it. I heard hints of it, but never all in and Joker and the thief is one of the songs where in the opening, the opening guitar 
it's almost Van Halen-esque with the doodle-doodle-doodle-doodle. And that yeah. doesn't sound garage rock. So I get where that would be the curveball. But once the song kicks in, that to me is rooted in garage rock and fits so well coming out of the last two songs. I completely agree. I love the buildup in the track. I love it when it kicks into full gear. The guitar riffs and the bass riffs just playing off each other and then the vocals kick in and it's garage rock through and through. I would argue anybody who would say it's not garage rock. I think it fully embodies the spirit of garage rock. I think the fact that they were chasing down that sound of the 60s and 70s just just solidifies and absolutely makes them part of the garage rock scene as, as one of the pillars, honestly. Yeah. Excellent, Ben. All right. Well, you've got one last song on side A, so let's hear what you got. Okay. Uh, I am going to go with The Helicopters from Sweden. And an album that came out in 1999, I know it's on the cusp, but I'm going to allow myself to do it because one, it's my favorite Helicopters song. Two, it's my favorite Helicopters album. It's Grande Rock. The song is A Devil Stole the Beat from the Lord. Holy crap. It's another one of those just iconic guitar riffs that kicks in and then follows in with the rhythm guitar and then the drums kick in and then the lead singer just goes, ooh, and you just right at that point, you know, you're listening to a garage rock song like that's it. It's just so much fun. I said I was going to talk about Europe and the whole garage rock thing. And I came up in the like late 90s, early 2000s. So online gameplay. I'm going to get really nerdy here. Like like playing online and like internet games with your buddies was like a big thing at the time. And I became really good friends with a bunch of people across the world, which is really dope. I ended up becoming really good friends with this kid named Ole Larsen in Norway. And he was just all about the crunchy rock and roll and stuff. And a lot of these bands in the garage rock revival scene started out becoming really big in Europe, whether or not they were American bands who crossed over to Europe and toured, up, toured a bunch, became famous, came over here, or they were just born, bred, and raised in Europe. And the Helicopters was one of those bands that my old friend Ole Larson introduced me to and was like, hey, you guys don't have this in America yet, but it's going to be pretty big in like two or three years. And he said the same thing about like the Strokes and the Flaming Lips and the Hives, bands I'm sure we're going to talk about later on tonight. And he was a big part of me discovering what is now my favorite genre of music and one of my multiple favorite bands of all time. So I have awesome, awesome memories of like, he's at like three o'clock in the morning. I'm in like noon on a Saturday. We're about to play some like Quake or like Jedi Knight Dark Forces <laughs> 2 or something stupid. And we're like, let's let's think of the helicopters and like run together and like run the game and like kill everybody. So <laughs> besides that, the band is just Again, one of those no-nonsense, no-bullshit, but still having a really good time on stage bands. Nothing but wailing guitars. And that's one of the things I love most about garage rock is the fact that it's a marriage between like the punk rock sensibilities and attitude that I was raised on in high school and whatnot. And then also the the hard rock that you know I inherited from my parents, the ACDC, the Aerosmith, the Led Zeppelin, all those types of things. And it was a melding of all these musicians from what they knew and what they were raised on and their own sensibilities and the, the music that was coming out in their time as well. And it's just, it's a full embodiment of who I was at that time in my life. And I think in a lot of cases, most of my generation was at the time too. So I got a, love, a lot of love for the genre, a lot of love for the bands. And a lot of these bands have a lot of like sentimental value to me because of really good friends who introduced me to these bands because they were cool and they were in Europe and they got these bands like years before they became popular in the States. So I was a cool guy who was like, yeah, the Flaming Lips 
you guys in America, you're going to go apeshit over this pretty soon. <laughs> so, yeah. I love it. And I'm going to allow the little faux pas of 1999, you. you know, because look, the helicopters are a fantastic band. I think you and Seven Rocklists are becoming best friends without knowing each other here on Twitter because uh, he obviously chimed in, like I said, at the top of the show, let's go, I'm in the band. I'm in the band is a great track. He said, these guys are a must. And I think coming out of it, I'm going to stay on the other side of the pond here. Okay. And I'm going to go with a band you just mentioned. Uh-oh. But I'm going to go with a little bit more of a controversial pick to close out side A. Uh-oh. And we talked about the fact that garage rock was this stripped down sound. But then some bands tried to toy with that stripped down sound and add some layers. And a little band from Sweden called The Hives tried that in 2007. Uh. Yes. On the Black and White album, I know this is a controversial album because this album used pop producers like the Neptunes and Timbaland, and people lost their minds. But my God, it's a great, great album. And it still brings that unique Hives sound to the table, but just changes the sound enough. And the song that I'm going to go with is not even a hit. It's not a single. It's a deeper cut from the album, but I love it so, so much. When I went to go see the Giants beat the New England Patriots for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which time? <laughs> the first time, the 18 nice. and 0. My wife and I flew into Las Vegas and drove to Phoenix because to fly into Phoenix, it was $4,000 a ticket. To fly into Las Vegas, it was $400 a ticket. So we did that, rented a car, and drove a few hours and made a nice trip out of it. And one of the albums we listened to was the Hive's Black and White album. And the song that jumped out at me on that trip was Try It Again. Yes. And when you add the cheerleaders into the song, as Howlin' Pete Almquist is screaming the chorus but you add the cheerleaders behind it and the driving drum beat. It's infectious and it's creative. And on paper, it doesn't sound like it works because when I try to think in my brain, how many songs really utilized cheerleaders? Well, I think of faith, no more. Yeah. Who did totally. be aggressive. And then the hives tried again. It's a two song playlist for cheerleaders and rock music. Basically. <laughs> It just works so, so well. And I know this is going to be a controversial pick because a lot of people chimed in with the Hive songs, but no one chimed in with this one. But I would love to hear if anybody out there is a fan of this one. So closing out side A, the Hives, try it again. So it's not controversial for me because the Hives might actually be my favorite band ever. So I feel like you and I are playing chicken with a couple of bands on, on our respective <laughs> lists. And I was I was waiting to see which one of us was going to pull this one out first. I love the Black and White album. It's radically different from a lot of what they've done, a lot of what's in their discography. They worked with a lot of producers, like you said, and they were with uh, Pharrell on this album, too. And it was uh, sort of a reinvention for them. And it was sort of a departure from like their hardcore, more punk rock sensibilities. But I really dig it. And Try It Again is a great track. I love the fact that it starts out with the stereo channels of the rhythm and the lead guitar player, that ba ba ba, and then they come together for ba ba. It's just, it's a killer track. The whole album is so much fun. Tick, Tick, Boom is one of their best songs ever. That's the one that yes. kicks the whole album off. I just love that band so much. They're putting out a new album in August, the first one in over a decade. And I 
literally, I'm not joking, I cried a little bit when I heard Bogus Operandi for the first time because it's just that Hive's magic. That is a band that's been around for like almost 30 years now. They started in the 90s. You can actually go back and listen to their very first album, uh, Sounds Like Sushi, on YouTube. And it's ridiculous and childish and moronic, but it's so much fun. But that band has gone through so many evolutions and so many changes. And I just, I've always loved the black and white aesthetic. I love the attitude. Pele Omquist's vocals just match what they're going for perfectly. Dr. Matt Destruction is one of my favorite bass players of all time. He gets to shine on this song. Not a controversial pick. I will fight anybody who says it's controversial. Excellent band, excellent album, excellent track. I think you did a perfect job closing out Side A. Well, there you have it, folks. Side A of our 2000s Garage Rock Revival playlist, which kicked off with Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Took Out Alone, Jet, Are You Gonna Be My Girl, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Zero, Foxborough Hot Tubs Ruby Room, The Kills No Wow, Arkell's Oh, The Boss Is Coming, The Burning Bride's Heart Full of Black, Wolf Mother, The Joker and the Thief, The Helicopters, The Devil Stole the Beat from the Lord, and The Hives, Try It Again. Head over to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now before we flip our proverbial mixtape over to side B, DT, why don't you tell people a little about the latest Space Castle happenings? Because there's been a lot of changes over there since the start of 2023. Yeah, so uh, Space Castle used to be a podcast, and I, I would hope that some of the people listening to this show uh, maybe gave the, the podcast a listen a couple times. So I ended up kind of going solo just because of some scheduling conflicts and whatnot that happened with my two co-hosts on the podcast. That happened in October, and I took a little bit of time off and kind of thought about what Space Castle kind of should be, what I love, what I would love to put into something different. And I decided that being a podcaster just going solo is kind of boring. Just kind of me just sitting there in front of a microphone just yammering about stuff. I come from a background of sound design and film production and graphic design. So I was like, I feel like this might be a YouTube channel. This might be me in front of a green screen, pretending like I'm in outer space, like MST3K style, talking about nerdy stuff. And all the ideas just started flowing, like the the designs and the concept and the color schemes and whatnot all came together. And I had a great foundation based on the theme song that I had co-written for the podcast. It translated beautifully because the exact feel we were going for was like Saturday morning cartoon. That matches the look and tone of the YouTube channel. And it's me goofing off and talking about nerdy stuff and creating all sorts of hijinks and whatnot on top of hopefully informing and and educating people on certain nerdy topics like TV and movies and video games and that type of stuff. Well, I, for one, applaud the production on it is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And someone once asked me, why don't you do my weekly mixtape as a video program? And my reasoning, to be perfectly blunt, is because it would have to look like Space Castle. And I would not (laughs) have the time or effort to do that on a weekly basis because as much as I love podcasting, this is not my full-time career. 
Uh, I don't have the time either, honestly. <laughs> Let me just say that. Uh, I'm doing one of one video every other week. And uh, I think that's just about the limit for me because obviously it's, you know, it's 15 to 20 minute long videos. So there's a lot of writing and then me actually recording and performing it. And also going back and doing all the animations and the graphics and, you know, trying to tell a story with what I've written and performed. But yeah, one every other week, I think is just about right for me because it gives me even a week off in between to kind of like gestate and think about ideas. And once I decide what I want to talk about, usually while I'm out drinking with friends or something, the angle for it will, will come out and I'll start writing from there and figure it out. But dude, it's been so much fun. And the reception has been phenomenal too. Like the comments and the subscriptions and the people who've jumped onto the Patreon even have just been so wonderful. And it's been a great thing to see the community that started with the podcast carry over onto the YouTube and people just like being like, yeah, dude, I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1992. Like that's my favorite movie. And just like going back and forth and just bonding with total strangers. That's what we always wanted to achieve with the podcast. And being able to maintain that same sort of achievement with YouTube is is great. And it's just been incredibly rewarding. Everybody involved has been such a sweetheart and uh, going to keep it going for as long as I possibly can because I love it. It's authentic. It is informative and it's a hell of a lot of fun. So, and the fact that you're Thank able you. to get Jeff Goldblum on there week after week is uh, oh, extremely is impressive yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, he was really hesitant at first, but he's a nice guy once you get to know him. Yeah, <laughs> pour some whiskey down his gullet, and he's down for anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll have to head over and give the show a watch. But now we are flipping over to side B, and I'm kicking things off. And I'm going to go with a song. I think I'm going to start things off. Hmm. I'm torn between two songs. Do I want to start off with a little bit of a stranger, deeper cut, or do I want to start off with one that everybody's going to know? Uh, it's the first track of side B. It's the B side. So I think you can get a little obscure if you want to. I'm going to go a little obscure. I'm going to do a little bit of both. I'm going to go with an album that a lot of people that are fans of this genre will be familiar with. And that album is 2006's Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the Arctic Monkeys. However, I'm going to start with my favorite song ever by that band. And it's not a single, but it's Red Light Indicates Doors Are Secured. It is funky. It's got a groove to it, but it still holds that garage rock vibe. But it's just a little bit more danceable so to speak mm -hmm. where the first side leaned into the heavier side of garage rock i started this side off with something a little bit more upbeat because the first side is a lot of fun but it's pretty heavy and it's got some heft to it this side this is a little more light and airy and it gives you a new palette to work off of musically so starting off side b arctic monkeys red light indicates doors are secured i love the pick i love the track I'm going to be entirely honest, the Arctic Monkeys, when they first came out, was a band I kind of wrote off and kind of didn't really vibe with at first. They, you know, they came out on the scene and they were playing danceable music, which I can totally respect. I'm a huge fan of pop and whatnot. But they kind of came out with like, you know, their pop collars and their polos and whatnot. I was like, what are these guys doing? But that was just me being ignorant and being closed minded and still being, you know, somebody who was developing their, their musical taste and whatnot. Because once you listen to the album and you get past the initial aesthetics of what they were trying to do in the early 2000s, everybody was goofy as hell in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. It's those garage rock sensibilities with that danceability and that funkiness and that groove to it. And they are an immensely fun band to listen to. And they're a lot of fun live, too. I love the pick. I love the band. 
Way to kick off side B, my friend. And it's a good excuse to mention that they're one of the bands that kind of used MySpace to make a name for themselves. And now people are probably looking up MySpace because they're going, wait a minute, why does that sound familiar? <laughs> oh, MySpace. Oh, who, who among us did not have the glitter letters and the MIDI of the Star Wars theme on our MySpace page back in the day? <laughs> Got people begging for my top eight spaces. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DT, what are you following up Arctic Monkeys with? All right, I'm kicking it into high gear, and because you stole the hives from me, I had, hate to say I told you so, on my list. I had to delete it. I'm going to steal one from you. I'm sure you've got on your list. It's a band from Detroit, Michigan. The album is White Blood Cells from 2001. The track is Fell in Love with a Girl from the White Stripes. I think this is the song that probably introduced the majority of the world to garage rock and stripped down rock and roll and just sort of minimalist rock and roll with a blues element to it. The video came out on MTV. It was directed by Michelle Gondry. It's wonderful. It's the one with uh, Meg and Jack as Legos, like running around Mm -hmm. doing all kinds of goofy stuff. The guitar just kicks into high gear and it just, the song just does not let up. Jack White is just wailing. He's probably not the best singer in the world, but he just wails whenever he's, he's singing a song. And it doesn't matter that it's off time. And if, if you were to quantize anything from the White Stripes, It'd probably sound terrible and it would lose all the heart because the fact of the matter is, is the White Stripes is meant to be stripped down. It's supposed to be minimalist. It's supposed to be dirty. It's supposed to be crazy and wild and and offbeat and off key sometimes. Jack White loves to fight with guitars that are hard to keep in tune while he's playing live. He likes every like live show to be a, a struggle. He wants to fight with it and force everything he's got in him out into that microphone and through those amps. I think they are the full embodiment of the garage rock movement. It's one of my favorite bands of all time, one of my favorite tracks of all time. And like I said, you stole the hives from me, so I'm taking this one. (laughs) (laughs) And you are taking it from a lot of people because on Twitter, any man with a microphone, Michael Mm. Breen, LI sports fan, DR Owens, and Fossil Records all chimed in with the White Stripes. I had the White Stripes on my list, obviously. I went with something a little different, though. I went with the title track from 2007's Icky Thump. However, Fell in Love with a Girl is the song that got me into the White Stripes. So mm-hmm. I love the pick. I also love the fact that Joss Stone covered it from yes. the reverse angle and made it a soul song. So when you listen to the two back to back, you're like, oh, wow, these two genres are completely different. They don't make sense. And then you realize, wait a minute, it's the same effing song. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about it because musically, it was a song that was written to have that ability to shape shift, so to speak. And it did it so well. That speaks volumes to the kind of songwriter that Jack White is. Yeah, and he's somebody who comes from that exact same angle where a lot of his music is that sort of transposition of stuff that he grew up on. Like, he's a big fan of Son House and blues. And a lot of that stuff that is in the White Stripes comes from like Son House recording a song where it's just him singing and clapping. And that's the entire song. Like, that incredibly stripped down, just bare bones. Bearing your soul for all to see rock and roll. That's one of the reasons why I love them so much. Well, I'm going to follow that up with a name that is well-known to musicians. However, is not well-known to the garage rock scene because for the most part, he was more aligned with indie rock, punk rock, and singer-songwriter sounds. I think I know who you're going to say. Are you thinking Butch Walker? 
Yeah. <laughs> right on. Okay. <laughs> so he originally started with the Marvelous Three, and then he went on to a solo career. But in 2011, he put out an album with a band called The Black Widows, Mm-hmm. And the album is called The Spade, and it is a straight-up garage rock album. And the opening track on that, Bodegas in Blood, is an absolutely amazing track. And if you've ever watched Live from Daryl's House, you need to watch the episode with Butch Walker because I don't think people realize what an amazing producer, songwriter, and musician this guy is. He did... A lot of stuff with Lit. He's worked with The Wind and the Wave. He's worked with Green Day. He's worked with pretty much every band out there ever, 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 ever. Probably even Led Zeppelin too. Who knows? But this guy is everywhere. He's an amazing producer. But Bodegas and Blood showed that he was able to tap into that garage rock sound and make it sound as if he had been there the whole time. It is so authentic and so real. And I could have picked any song from the album. It's easily my favorite Butch Walker album. And I don't feel like his name is thrown around enough, period. Yeah. And I really wanted to find an avenue to talk about him. And as soon as I heard we were doing Garage Rock, I kid you not, this was the first song on my list. So Butch 100%. Walker and the Black Widows, Bodegas and Blood. Yeah, I, I love the track. I love the, the screeching sort of... Guitar right at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it kind of builds up into that that sort of indie rock style of vocals, and it, it's just a solid track. It's great. It's another one of those examples of garage rock just being sort of uh, just a melding and just a, a blender of all kinds of different genres. Excellent pick. Definitely somebody who is just not in the conversation enough because, like you said, he's an amazing musician. He was a great producer as well. He's still out there doing stuff. Yeah, absolutely great pick. I love it. Fantastic. And now you get to follow it up with track four. Track four. Oh, so I got a little of overlap because, you know, Jack White was such a pillar of the Garage Rock revival. Are you going to put in a Jack White solo album and every no, other band? Actually, <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be entirely honest. I'm not a big fan of Jack White's solo stuff. I appreciate okay. it. It's, it's not really for me, even though the White Stripes is one of my favorite bands ever. But there's so much overlap because Jack White was in like 47 different bands <laughs> in the 2000s. <laughs> So my next pick is going to be another Jack White adjacent song, and it's going to be from an album called Broken Boy Soldiers, which came out in 2006. And the track is not the one you're thinking of. It's actually Level. Nice. So it's an excellent track. It's fun and it's riffy and it bounces back and forth between Jack White and Brendan Benson's vocals. They kind of do like sort of like a Paul McCartney, John Lennon duet where they're going back and forth with the vocals and their guitars at the same time. The bass riff is super fun to play. Little Jack Lawrence is just a fantastic bass player. You should check out his... I might even talk about his bands at some point. Another band he was in called The Greenhorns. Excellent bass player, excellent songwriter. The Raconteurs were just a phenomenal band. And not only a melding of genres, but also a melding of multiple different bands. You had Jack White from The White Stripes. You had Brendan Benson, who was doing a bunch of solo stuff at the time. He and Jack White were roommates before The White Stripes became big. And then Brendan Benson followed. And then you've got the drummer and the bass player from a band called the Greenhorns, and they jumped on as the rhythm section. And it's more complex because obviously there's more moving pieces in the White Stripes, but I think it's still very, very succinctly maintained that garage rock feel. And they'll go from everything to like a blues track to like a like a Western country feeling track. 
And I know a lot of people think about like Salute Your Solution and songs like that. But for me, Level, especially uh, there's one live performance they do on um, or it's, it's available on YouTube where they're playing in like a warehouse to a crowd of people. And because they're live and it's not an album, they're able to kind of improvise and go crazy and whatnot. And Jack White and Brenda Benson just go off with just this dueling guitar solo halfway through the song. It's phenomenal. But uh, it's my favorite song about the Raconteurs. It's an excellent album. And it's almost impossible to escape Jack White when you're talking about Garage Rock Revival. He was just one of just those mainstays, just the, the pillars of it. And one of the people holding it up and innovating the genre, which is in and of itself was an innovation. And maybe it's a cheat having another Jack White song in there, but I don't think you can discredit Brendan Benson and the other members of the band for their contributions in writing those songs and pulling something out of Jack White that we actually probably didn't know existed because we were stuck on the White Stripes for so long. I think you hit the nail on the head. I had the Rockin' Tours on my list as well. I had Steady As She Goes. However, Level's a fantastic song. I love the fact that you brought up my one talking point about this band. It mm -hmm. was take Garage Rock and make it Beatles-esque. And yeah, totally. I, I really feel like that separates them from the White Stripes. Now, I also had a Jack White solo song on my list, the title track from Lazaretto, but I don't want to go for a Jack White trifecta, so I'll probably <laughs> leave that out now. And hearing that you're not a big fan of his solo stuff, I'm guessing this will be the last we talk about him. But following that up, I'm going to go with another band that, again, definitely leans more to the indie side of things. However... When a band is known as an alternative rock indie pop band, but their breakthrough song, which is one of, dare I say, the most memorable music videos of all time, crosses that threshold into garage rock and does so to the point where you think this band could have easily made this album again and again and again with this exact sound and still been successful, you get OK Go. Mm. And I'm going to go off of 2005's OK No, and I'm going to go with the treadmill song, as everybody knows it. Here it goes again. It is obviously an alternative indie pop song, but if you listen to the guitar sound and the tones they use, they have taken the garage rock sound and melded it into what they do as a band in this almost one-time-only moment. And it is a vibe this song and it works so well but then you look at some of their other which again if you want to go down a rabbit hole just look up okay go music videos any one of them will blow your mind they are so innovative when it comes to music videos probably the best there's ever been when it comes to music videos but this song to me works on a musical level and i've always wanted to talk about that music video because honestly the treadmill thing one of the most creative videos ever. So, okay, go. Here it goes again. Awesome track. Again, with the opening guitar riffs in, in Garage Rock Revival, it's just, it's a staple and it's super important. They've got one of the best. And I love okay, go. I love the fact that they are more than just sort of like a musical experience. They're like an audio visual, like full body experience. Like their videos are ridiculous. Like there's a treadmill video. There's the one where they went up in an airplane and then yep. they dropped the plane. So it did the, the G zero G effect and they're like bouncing around and whatnot. They're super fun. They are fantastic live, and they seem to really genuinely love their fans and just love what they're doing. That whole album is excellent. And you're right. It's like a like a weird sort of crystallization for them because they're a band who's sort of reinvented themselves multiple times. 
And we're very fortunate to get that album with that whole garage rock vibe because it's my favorite OK Go album. Same here. And I just, I love the vibe. I love the poppiness, the danciness to it, the bounciness to it. It's just, it makes you want to get up out of your chair and like start. It's not ska music, but you almost want to like skank to it. It's just got that bouncy sort of like, let's go for a jog type vibe to it. And it's an excellent pick. One that I would not have, I didn't have them on my list because it's not one of those bands I considered. But since you brought it up, and especially that album and that track in particular, it just it fits perfectly. It's brilliant. It's one of those bands that normally would not be considered a garage rock band. But if you listen to this playlist in its entirety, you're going to hear why this song makes sense. And that's what I love about this genre, because garage rock might as well be called the gray genre, because it's a lot of gray area. <laughs> yeah, I love the pick. It's excellent. Well done, sir. Well, throwing it back to you for track six. We got five more to go here. All right, I'm going to slow it down again, and I'm going to go a little out of left field, and I'm going to go out of Japan, actually. My next pick for my next track is a song called Thank You, My Twilight. It's also the self-titled track from the album that came out in 2002 by a Japanese band called The Pillows. So a lot of nerds out there are probably going to recognize them as the band that did the music for the anime FLCO or Fully Cooley. I actually discovered them before the anime came out because they were sort of like a garage rock revival band based out of Japan, which you didn't see a whole lot of. You see a lot of lo-fi garage rock bands coming out of Japan now, but the pillows were something of an anomaly at the time. And they still kind of are. And they have been their entire careers where, especially this album is very much garage rock. It's bare bones. It's stripped down. It's just crunchy guitars and really, really awesome like bass guitar riffs and whatnot. But they also employed like chip tune and synth and whatnot to their music. And very, very little of the lyrics are in English. It's all in Japanese because they became so popular because they composed so much music for that anime. You can find a lot of translations of their music on the internet. But you don't need to know what the lead singer is saying directly to understand the vibe and the feel and the spirit of what he's singing about with each of these songs. And I think that culminates into Thank You, My Twilight, which is such a sweet and sad and melancholy and beautiful song with really killer guitar riffs and just the drummer just wailing and this really, really sweet and succinct chip tune intro. And it's just like, if you can consider the Ramones as pop, you can consider the pillows as garage rock, if that makes sense. They skirt along sort of almost being adjacent. The spirit is there. It's just a bunch of just high energy Japanese dudes just playing their hearts out, writing incredibly nuanced and wonderful, but also really simple music at the same time. And I love the fact that they're super poppy, but also can like get down in the trenches and, and do like some dirty, heavy garage rock stuff. But yeah, they've been around since like 1989, I think. But this album came out in 2002. It was before the anime came out and then the anime snatched them up and they kind of became synonymous and like they've toured all the comic cons and whatnot. But in their own right, this band is phenomenal, whether you're a fan of anime or not. And uh, yeah, I think they they absolutely belong on the definitive list of Garage Rock Revival bands. I'm going to sum them up in two words. And I think these two words put together, even though it sounds a little bit of an oxymoron, will work. And that is complex simplicity. Totally. 100%. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It really, really, really works. And I'm going to come out mm-hmm. of that now. Because you took it down. So I'm going to bring it up a little bit, but then stop. So I'm not going to get heavy because okay. we're getting close to the end here. So we're kind of in that mid-second set dip. So I like where we are. So I'm going to go with something that doesn't even have a lot of electric guitars in it. It's a little bit more acoustic. It even has a slide guitar in it. But somehow, 
Love that. Somehow this song works. Off the band's 2008 self-titled album. I'm going to go with the third single because the first two singles, Free Love and In One Ear, were released prior but didn't make a splash. However, Cage the Elephant's Ain't No Rest for the Wicked, it was Splash Mountain in a musical sense. This song hit everywhere. (laughs) It had the garage rock attitude, but almost an acoustic Americana vibe. So it was, again, blurring the lines of what garage rock was. And this is the band that I saw open for Stone Temple Pilots for their 2010 self-titled tour. When they toured the first Stone Temple Pilots self-titled album, which was the only self-titled album with Scott Weiland on vocals. And this song Mm -hmm. for me was a highlight and I'm not a huge TV person, but one of my wife and I's favorite shows that we both agree on is Lucifer. And if you watch the pilot, this song opens up and closes the pilot episode of which I felt was a fantastically done show. Lucifer. I'm going to go with cage. The elephant ain't no rest for the wicked. Excellent track. I love the track. I love the band too. And yeah, you're right. They are one of those bands that haven't really employed like, like guitar a whole lot, which is unique and awesome and interesting and fun. And uh, because I knew friends who were musicians and I played bass guitar, I never bothered to play actual guitar. I kind of looked to Cage the Elephant back when I was a kid and be like, hey, can we start a band like this maybe? Because <laughs> we don't know anybody who plays guitar really well. So what can we do to like start a band and kind of get around that? But yeah, one of those incredibly innovative bands, definitely a pillar and a mainstay of the Garage Rock Revival in the early 2000s. Love the pick, love the band. Knocking it out of the park, my friend. All right, you've got two songs left and I've got one. So we got to really, fi- I know we're playing chicken with some trains here. So I'm I'm assuming the trains are going to hit soon. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I, I think we're coming down to it, honestly. Yeah. My next pick is, oh, there's so many bands left on this that I really want to talk about, but I got to narrow it back down to two. I, I think it's going to be, the album was was out of sight, out of mind. And a lot of people think that the song title is also the same thing because it's part of the chorus. The song is actually called Don't Come Knockin'. It's by the Datsuns. The album was out of sight, out of mind. It came out in 2004. It's one of those bands that, again, just embodies that sort of punk rock like from the late 90s, early 2000s, and kind of shifted over into the garage rock revival. It's just rolling guitar riffs and super fun bass licks and screaming vocals. And it's one of those bands that can go from like, doing like a goofy, silly, really light sort of song into like riv heavy and just going crazy and having a great time. I think they might have been on a Tony Hawk soundtrack or two. I'm not sure, but I've loved this band since they first came out. I think it's an absolute mainstay of the genre. And I think they're still making albums today and still rocking it out, which is awesome. But the Datsuns off the album, out of sight, out of mind. The song is called Don't Come a Knockin'. I love it. Great pick. Love that song coming out of Cage the Elephant. But man, I'm looking at my list. And one, two, three, four, five different bands that have been talked about on people's chime-ins. And we've only got one pick Mm -hmm. each. So I'm just going to throw the band names out there. Because all five of these bands have been mentioned heavily in the pre-show prep. (laughs) And that would be the Black Keys, Franz Fernandad, Mm -hmm. Kings of Leon, The Strokes, and The Vines. (sighs) 
the New Yorker in me wants to go with the Strokes. Sure. Julian Casablancas is an awesome, unique voice. They were honestly one of the bands that, along with the White Stripes, really sort of kicked off the Garage Rock Revival whole thing. So, yeah, the Strokes were massive when they came out. It was insane. They really, really were. However, as much as I love the Strokes, I'm actually going to go with the Vines for my last pick of the night, and I'm not going to go with Get Free. Oh, I'm going to go with 2004's Winning Days, and I'm going to go with Ride because I want to bring that touch of 90s alternative grunge into the garage rock sound because when you mix those two together on paper, that doesn't sound like it would work. But oh my God, did they pull it off flawlessly. And it sounds like the song was released in 1993. Yet it came out a decade later and it worked for both the garage rock sound and that I don't want to leave the 90s kid inside of me. And it really hit in two different areas. And I know people are going to be mad that I veered away from Get Free, but the music video for Ride is so much fun. It's just such a groove. It's such a vibe. And the Vines are, again, one of those underrated bands. I know everyone immediately goes to Get Free, but there's so much beyond that if you dig deeper. And I want people to dig deeper. So I'm going to go with Ride, which, again, was a song that people are familiar with. It was a video. It was a single. But it's not the first song that comes to mind. But for me, it is. So I'm closing out my portion of this list with The Vine's Ride. No disrespect to any of the other bands that I mentioned leading up to that, though. No, yeah. I I prefer Ride to Get Free, honestly. I, I thought Get Free was... It was a dope track. It was super heavy. It was a, again, it was a lot of people's introduction to Garage Rock Revival. It kind of got a little overplayed, I think. And I think Ride has the better, like, guitar riff motif. I think it's got the better chorus. It's just so much fun to, like, roll down the windows and sing along with. It's great. It's a lot of fun. The band itself was kind of divisive because they were kind of known for putting out really good albums and then doing really, really terrible live shows. But, (laughs) That was kind of, you know, it kind of came along with the Garage Rock revival scene where that was kind of a crapshoot. Like, you might see a band on a really good night and see an amazing show, and other nights they might just have, you know, their heads firmly in that don't give a crap sort of mindset, and you'd get, like, a crappy show out of the vines. Like, a lot of people still hate that band to this day. I still think they're a lot of fun. I get the attitude. I would be one of those people to be pissed off if I paid to see them live on a bad night where they just didn't care, but... No, I mean, they were very, very important to not just the Garage Rock Revival scene, but just music in the early 2000s as well. I mean, you you couldn't get away from them. They were massive Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a pretty long stretch of time. They were a lot of fun. Just great guitars, great vocals, great drums. I love the dual vocals, the back and forth with the choruses and the pre-choruses and whatnot. Really, really strong songwriting and just oozing with attitude. It was great. And some great harmonies as well, at least in Rye. The harmonies were perfect for that song and again it had that 90s grunge tinge to it which is a little different than all the songs we've talked about because when we talk about garage rock you think white stripes and you think that sound i mean that was the image i used to kind of tease the episode and it put everybody in that frame of mind but if you weave through this playlist that we've crafted throughout the whole night tonight there's a lot of different elements that touch in and out of garage rock and i think the toughest challenge is going to you tonight because you have to put the exclamation point 
on this, what I think is an amazing 2000s garage rock mixtape. So, DT, the floor is yours. How are you closing out the evening? So, I think it's going to be one of those songs where people are probably not going to know the name right off the bat, but they're going to know the song right off the bat when they hear it. I think it's going to make sense why I held on to this one and why I'm closing out this mixtape because I think it was quietly one of the most important bands in the garage rock revival scene. I think once you hear the track, when you go and listen to the playlist after Brian gets everything up online, it's going to make total sense. I think it's going to bring it all full circle. It's going to culminate in this. And it's by a band called The Subways. The album was Young for Eternity. It came out in 2005. And the track is Rock and Roll Queen. And it starts out with this awesome little chunky riff. And then it just it slowly builds up into the just this badass garage rock revival anthem. And just I love the harmonization and the vocals between Billy Lunn and Charlotte Cooper. I love how they play off each other. I think Charlotte Cooper is one of the most underrated backup vocalists in all of rock and roll, not just garage rock. But the track is super fun. It's one of those things where, like I said, you're not going to probably know it until you listen to it. And then when it kicks into the chorus, you're going to be like, oh, DT's a goddamn genius. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rock and Roll Queen by the Subways off the album Young for Eternity. They're from England, by the way. So another one of those European bands that kind of came under the radar. One of those bands I was hip to before they became popular in the States because I was just cool like that. <laughs> Look, I love the pick. I was going back and forth with Samuel Jones, who's the co-host of the Records and Bands podcast. I was a guest on recently with his brother Rob hosting. Him and I were going back and forth on Instagram. He's out in the UK, and he said he's looking forward to this episode because he wants to put together a group of UK garage rock bands. I'll be very curious to see if he's standing up cheering right now listening to this episode because of that pick. I think it's a perfect exclamation point to close out Side B, which kicked off with Arctic Monkeys, Red Light Indicates Doors Are Secured, The White Stripes Fell in Love with a Girl, Butch Walker and the Black Widows, Bodegas and Blood, The Rockin' Tours Level, OK Go, Here It Goes Again, The Pillows, Thank You My Twilight, Cage the Elephant, Ain't No Rest for the Wicked, The Datsuns, Don't Come Knockin', the Vines Ride, and the Subways Rock and Roll Queen. Remember to head to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. I know there's some bands we left off, and my question to the mixtapers out there, what song would you add to this playlist? Make sure to chime in at myweeklymixtape on the site, on social media, or email me. What song would you add to this Garage Rock mixtape? DT, why don't you let the mixtapers know where they can find Space Castle on YouTube and connect with you? Because I am not kidding when I say it's one of the best YouTube-produced shows that I've seen in a long time. And I think I'm going to be telling people six months from now, I had this guy on the podcast back when. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I hope that, that comes to fruition, and that's true. The best place to find me right now is probably spacecastlepod.com. That's sort of my home in deep space and on the internet. Uh, if you want to go straight for the YouTube channel, it's youtube.com forward slash at spacecastlepod. YouTube, you could not have made that more confusing. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love the new at system. It's wonderful. Uh, you can find me at spacecastlepod on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, actually. So yeah, uh, having a lot of fun there, just posting clips and goofing off and being silly and 
having a blast making YouTube videos that hopefully people are digging. Well, I certainly am, and I thank you so much for joining me tonight on my weekly mixtape. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for talking music with me again, man. Had a great time. Dude, it is always my pleasure, man. Like I said, you are one of those the most knowledgeable people when it comes to music and many other things that I've ever met. And you're just so much fun to talk to. You're one of my favorite people. I love you, man. I will be on anytime, any place, anywhere, whenever. Just say the word. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to make that happen because I've got a lot more avenues to dig down and you are a lot of fun to chat tunes with. So thank you again. And remember, Mixtapers, you can find me at My Weekly Mixtape on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Spoutable at My Weekly Mixtape. You can also head to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to check out the full catalog of My Weekly Mixtape episodes. And if you want to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon Mixtaper at Patreon.com forward slash My Weekly Mixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, enjoy the tunes. <laughs>